What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show, the Memphis Grizzlies find a W in Toronto. It turns out going back to Canada, Dylan broke some good. Final score is from 119 to 106. And I got a text message. The show came out. I, I, I've been gone forever. Candace was carrying the weight. And I give Dylan Brooks some love. And I get a message from one of my buddies. They're like, dude, you're out of your mind. You got too much faith in Dylan Brooks. And I would just like to point out that Dylan Brooks, well, Ja had the best plus minus tonight. But 25, 6, and 3 after I gassed him up, Dylan Brooks is the hinge pin that is going to determine if the Grizzlies win the championship or not. Hell yeah, well. Buying it or selling Punchline. Punchline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need the the drum. <laughs> that's, that's funny. <laughs> I'm selling that. I'm selling it. But he is a very valuable piece, and he has been playing well, I think, you know, in terms of field goal attempts. It's That's been – I think today it was probably one of some of the most – Field goals, he's shot, especially when healthy. I believe he averages like seven field goal attempts or something like that, maybe eight field goal attempts when the team has been healthy. Um, so he's been showing improvement in that regard, and that's pretty much the number one thing you want from Dylan. Not to mention, what, six assists tonight? Mm-hmm. Six assists tonight. Is that a career high? I want to go look it up. <laughs> it's, it's right, yeah. It's. I was shocked. <laughs> I knew I knew that he had a few. You know, like I was, I was, I'm watching the game, and I'm like, Okay, Dylan, that that's a Dylan assist, and I'm looking. I'm like, he he's got quite a few tonight. And then I pulled up the box score. I'm like, yeah, I didn't think he had six, but you know, I, I saw three or four of them. I, I think maybe the uh, the stat keeper because he was from Canada was showing him a little bit of extra love. But <laughs> we 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 talked about ball movement. I, I know that I did specifically on the last show. And you look at the the 37 assist that they had tonight, and led to better field goal percentages. And obviously, you know, you know, they're not playing the same team matchup makes a difference, yada, yada, yada. But the, there were some things that they were not doing during that little losing streak there that they were able to get back to tonight. And the ball falling from three, that makes a huge difference, obviously. But but I love to see these big assist numbers. You see 37 assists on 48 field goals, you know that you're doing something right. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, I, I think overall, you, you know, there's still some of the things that, that I've been talking about that, that rear their ugly head a little bit. I think the three-point defense didn't change schematically. I saw some open opportunities, but I just think maybe variance kind of being on their side, you know, some some opportunities that were open, the Toronto Raptors, they just kind of, they just didn't take them or that, you know, they pass out or things like that. So they, so they didn't kill them the way I think Maybe it could with some other teams, but the most important thing is them being able to make their own. Um, if they're going to play like that, then they have to be able to hit theirs. And so that's, that's the thing. And shooting 44% from three um, is incredible. Um, and, and the ball move was just impeccable. Not from John Morant. John Morant had some absolute dimes tonight. Uh, Dylan had, Dylan had a, probably the most impressive assist I've seen of him, a left-handed uh, post pass to Steven Adams. That was pretty nice to see. Um, so it, it was just good. I, I do feel like there was a little bit more court awareness, a little bit more attention to detail, a little bit more. Um, you can see the chemistry starting to come together a little bit. You even saw a little two-man game for a little stretch there between um, Des and Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr., um, which was nice, kind of a little mini um, run of them playing off one another. 
Uh, you saw a couple of Jada Jaren lobs, which I love to see. So um, the yeah, one the from was- like outside of half court, dude. Oh, yeah. like that was just incredible. I it was the accuracy that you have to have to make that pass. It, it's yeah, I know he's in the NBA. You see guys do it, but it every single night that you watch him, he does something. For me tonight, that. The one with you know a forty nine plus foot assist to Jaron, it was, it was incredible. Loved it. It was. It was. Yeah, we we could probably spend the whole episode talking about how many nice passes there were because there just there was just that many. Um, like I said, thirty seven assists is um, a feat. You know, typically the Grizzlies are undefeated or or they win very little games at least when they have at least thirty assists. I know that's kind of their marquee number too. If they got thirty assists, then that's generally going to be a win for them. But thirty seven. Man, in regulation at that is a it's a huge feat, and it, I think it's telling about you know just how great the ball movement was tonight. Yeah, I, it was good to see Daz get some threes to fall. Yeah. You know, he he had struggled the past couple games. Uh, I think he had like an zero for eleven stretch. Zaire Williams made his only three tonight to bring his percentage up to like nine point seven percent on the season. <laughs> so, you know, Zaire didn't play many minutes, and I didn't see him really tweak anything. He only played seven minutes and thirty seconds tonight. Did, did I miss something? Was I distracted and, and miss him tweak something that he only played seven no. minutes and thirty no. seconds? Zaire is fine. Zaire just, I think Taylor Jenkins just went with who was playing better and. That wasn't Zaire. Um, he was sort of losing his man on defense. I think he, he's normally kind of the longer person that he's guarding. And I think just the length sort of, you know, the, the contrasting length just made it hard for him because he struggles to stay in front. And sometimes he depends on his length to kind of make up for that. But he could not do that in this matchup in particular. So he just kind of got played off the court. I mean, it wasn't an awful game for him. I, I've seen worse, but defensively, I just think Jenkins decided to pull him, especially since Conchar had probably, you know, that I think that was a big swing factor. Conchar doesn't make any of his shots, then you, you probably see Zaire longer. The only person who did have an injury is Santi Aldama, who um, it, it exited the game in the third quarter, midway through the third quarter, um, and he was ruled us out as to return, so um, hopefully we can get him back and he can heal up quickly, because we Finally got this team healthy, and I wanted to stay that way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It looked uh, it was an ankle tweak, yep. and so you know, hopefully that is something where it was just a tweak, and it's not a full on like big boy sprain where he's going to miss extended time. Right. I'm sure that we will get some sort of update on that in the next couple of days here before they play the Pelicans. But you know, it's it's tough. We've been wanting to see this team healthy all year. Finally get them there, and then here we are. Santi rolls his ankle. But for me, the, the chemistry building and, and, you know, you talked about like that, the two man game with Dez and Jaron and just the different stuff that we're seeing from this starting five. I think that right now that's got to be the most important thing. That's got to be, excuse me, got to be the focus for this team because those guys just haven't played much together this year. And there have been times when it's been extremely like, it's just glaring. You can tell the timing is just not right. There's something that is just not quite there for them. Um, I was really happy with the way Dylan played against uh, Siakam. And it, Dylan being a versatile defender, him guarding a guy like Siakam just kind of, and it, it should open your eyes to what he's capable of because you see him guarding guys like Steph Curry 
you see him guarding wings, and then you see him guarding a guy that can be physical like Siakam, and he does just as good. Yeah, you know, eight for 19 from the field. He had 25 points. Like, did he really do all that well? That that's a solid performance. Siakam ended up fouling out, and there was a point late in the game before Siakam fouled out where you could tell that Dylan was in his head because Siakam shoved him, and it's like that's what he does. He gets under their skin, and this is a case where at that time the Raptors were making a run. They were trying to get back into this game. At one point they got it down into single digits again, the Grizzlies end up busting it back open. And I think a lot of that is because of Dylan Brooks getting under his skin and knocking him off of Kelda. You know, like he wasn't allowing him to do what he wanted to do. And that just kind of irritated Siakam and that worked out well for the Grizzlies. Yeah, for sure. I mean, to your point that he was nine of 11 from the free throw line. So I think a lot of his points came from the free throw. I mean, he had 25 points, sure, but a lot of those weren't just because he was making his shots. Um, he had to get to the line. He had to work in order to get any points. And that's pretty much what Dylan's going to do. And it, especially knowing that Siakam is the current reigning um, Eastern player of the week. I think he was averaging like 38.7 points per game at the time um, to, you know, to bump him down to 25 is still pretty much what you want um, in a matchup like this. Yeah, for sure. And that's, you know, it's marquee players are going to get their stats. The the best player on each team, they're going to get their stats. What you have to do as the best defender is make them work for it. So 25 points on 11 shots versus 25 points on 19 shots, he had to work a lot harder. Those extra shots to get to that, that's what makes the difference between winning and losing. And that's, yep. you know, I, I'm, I, I've got a little fuel here to back it. You know, I, I, I made the, the comment about, I think that Dylan, I was kind of being facetious at the beginning of the show. I'm like, he's the henchman for the championship. But I, you know, in the last show, I said, that I, I have a lot of faith in Dylan Brooks. And the reason being, if you look over like that, the Grizzlies from November 30th uh, through December 15th, they had the, oh, I went too far. It was. I know it started in November 30th, but I think it was like to to the 12th. They had that seven game win streak, mm-hmm. and and Dylan Brooks played really really well in that time. He was averaging 18 points a game, almost four assists, four rebounds, shooting 82 percent from the free throw line, knocking down um, uh, averaging two and a half threes per game, and uh, shooting 41 percent from the field. I would like to see him be a little bit more efficient from the field. But he was playing winning basketball in those games. And that's like, it's tough to say, okay, I'm going to plant all of this on a player that's as volatile as Dylan Brooks. But you see glimpses of it. You see stretches where it's like, okay, if he stays within these parameters right here, like this is exactly what the team needs from him. And if that ever clicks for him and he could stay in that, it, it, I think that it, it's going to be trouble for the league. And that that's not that Dylan Brooks is going to turn into this mega star and carry the team. But you have enough good pieces around him that if he stays within these parameters, it's going to elevate everything else. And and that's what I meant. And I have, I have faith in him. 
Obviously, we know what he can do on the defensive end. You see what he can do on the defensive end. But the offensive end has always been kind of the question. Are you ever going to get the efficient Dylan Brooks? Are you going to get the hero ball Dylan Brooks that gets tunnel vision that shoots you out of games? And I'm sure that we will still see that from time to time. But I know, like, throughout these last few years, since Taylor Jenkins has has been coaching the Grizzlies, that was a point of emphasis for him. He wanted Dylan to be efficient. He said that in the the preseason, like the uh, media day uh, before the season started, like he wanted Dylan to be more efficient. He, he's preaching efficiency to Dylan. And then you look, Dylan was saying at the beginning of the year he wanted to have a career high in assist. And I don't know where he's at. I didn't look at that um, before he got on here. But it's going to be interesting to me to see if he gets to that point. Like, well, right now he's averaging 2.7 assists and his career average is 2.1. So he, he's above his career average right now. So you can see the little things. You just hope we, we talked about him and, you know, Isaac and I have talked about it. Candace has been, you know, we, we talked about it a number of times. You hope that he doesn't revert to the mean. We see the glimpses of this efficiency. We see this version of Dylan that is exactly what the Grizzlies need. You hope that he can find a comfort in that, that when it becomes a pressure situation, that he can stick to that rather than reverting back to, I have to do everything. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, you know, that he's probably been the most consistent player, you know, all season to this point. I think he, pretty much night in night out you you kind of know what you're going to get from Dylan or this season that's been the case and that's that's probably one of the hugest compliments you could pay Dylan Brooks given his um given his polar his polarizing um play and and perception within the Grizzlies fan base but I mean I think you have to look an honest look at it from him one he's played I think he's played every game if I'm not mistaken I don't think he's really missed a game or anything Uh Awesome. I think he might be the only person that I played. I know Dez missed five. I don't think he's played all of them. I'm pretty sure he missed the game earlier in the season. Okay. I mean, just, uh, I, I'll pull it up here and see. You may be right. But I know he's played the, mo- uh, the most games, I think. Well, him and John, ja, I know Josh missed five games, but I don't even think Dylan's missed five. So I think he's just been there. He's been present for one. And then when he's been asked to step up, he's generally done that. I mean, sometimes it's not efficient. Sometimes he takes 31 shots in order to get 30, you know, yeah, yeah. points. But, you know, he does that typically when there is no jar or he's done that this season when there is no jar, there is no Jaron. And he just kind of feels like he's got to be the one to to take that on and, how mad can you be at that? I mean, you can be, but it's fair for him to be the one to take those shots, considering a lot of the uh, role players aren't aren't necessarily aggressive with taking those shots. Um, and then when he's been playing with a fully healthy team, like I said today is I mean his fourteen attempts today is probably uh, one of the higher ones when healthy I've seen him do, and even then it still seems like it's about right. I mean, you you'd want he's got one more shot attempt. Of fourteen to to Bain's sixteen to Bain's thirteen, but then Bain fouled out. Um, right, Jaren had fifteen shots, so he still had less than Jaron, and he had more than Stephen Adams. So like, even then, he's still kind of right where you would want him to be um, on a night to night basis. So good um, for Dylan, for sure. Yeah, D- yeah. Dylan missed the first yeah. three games of the season. I, was, I didn't know how first many it was, but I was I was confident that he had missed at least one. But he, he missed the first three games, and then he's he's played in everything since then. So. Okay. 
And so that does make him still the most available because Josh missed five. And, yeah. and Stephen, well, actually, Stephen might have a word. Stephen Adams might have a word to say about that, actually. I'm not sure if he's missed three games or not. I, I don't know. He may. <laughs> but he's, he's basically been the consistent guy. Like I said, once he came in, he hasn't yeah. been that So he, he went out at. I know that he went out in the game, but he didn't end up missing anything. He right. he exited the game and it looked pretty rough. Thought he was going to miss some time, and then he ended up starting the next game. So, you know, it's the the games like tonight. This team, when everybody eats, they do well. And and you look at all five of the starters were in double figures. Contrard eleven off of the bench. And then you had Zaire that didn't play very many, very many minutes, but he was efficient on the offensive end. He was he was two for two, didn't miss a shot. Brandon Clark was two for two. This is really a it's a crap line for BC, and you know I, I think that this was just a uh, another one of those he was played off the floor, and, yeah. and you know it, I I think this kind of goes to something you were talking about in the last episode of you want to see Jenkins kind of making adjustments and maybe we didn't see the adjustments that we want to see just yet. But if you look at these rotation minutes tonight, comparatively, you know, Conchar playing 23 and BC and Zaire together playing 23, that that's a tweak in the rotation. That's him. To me, that's him looking at it and saying, okay, Conchar is playing better basketball than these guys tonight. I'm going to ride him rather than, going back to these guys who were hurting us because Zaire and BC, they were both negative. Uh, uh, Zaire was negative three on the plus minus and BC was negative four. So, and Conchar's a, a, a plus five off of the bench with what you have dubbed his best game of the month. Hopefully this doesn't end as his best game of the month. Although 11 and seven, four bench guys, not terrible. No, not at all. I'll take that. Every, I'll take that every night. Hear that Conchar? Like I'll, I'll take that every night. If you can keep up with that, I'd be happy to, you know, but that's, that's what you want from him. You know, that's kind of what I think his best role is. You know, he's a guy who can come in and give you some points off of the bench. I think he's a great like 10th man type of guy to come in, be energizing. He's going to rebound. He's going to play, knock down some shots. And if he's hot, then you play him. And if he's not, then he's done his role for the team and he's still been a meaningful contributor. Um, so hopefully he can get comfortable in that in that spot because I think that's the best way to optimize him in his role. Yeah, I don't think so. I I have a certain level of respect for Conchar, so I, I don't want this to come across as I am bashing him, but I don't think night in night out John Conchar playing twenty five minutes a game is a winning recipe for this team. I think that you ride the hot hand off of the bench and he's going to have nights where he is the hot hand. And so you give him those extended minutes and he, you know, he is this season specifically, he's put up numbers to show, okay, he can be that guy, but this is kind of a a D'Anthony Melton type thing where, you know, we saw Melton be, insane on the offensive end some nights and just go nuclear and knock down seven or eight threes. I don't know that we'll see that from Conchar, but I think that you can see like when he is hot, put him out there, let him play because he is going to make those hustle plays. He's going to rebound the ball. Well, if you know, if you're playing him out there without Steven Adams on the floor, that gives you another guy that is an, is a plus rebounder whenever Adams is out and, and Jaron's been doing a hell of a job rebounding there. There were, 
there have been a number of times this season where you could see the muscle that he's put on. It has allowed him to be a lot more physical when it comes down to pulling down the rebounds. But it's there's still a lot to work. There's still a lot for the Grizzlies to do. And I just don't think that 25 minutes a game every single night from John Conchar is the best version of this team. Yeah, for sure. I 100% agree. Um, I know people probably think I hate Conchar. I do not. I've always advocated that he is a great 10th man, and I think he's showing it. I, I really do. I think tonight is an example of what you can get from him. And, you know, because we know Taylor Jenkins it will ride the hot hand, now or at least he seems to be going back to that. I, we had not seen as much of that this season, but this is an indication that maybe we're doing a little bit more of that, which is great. And if he's hot – like you said, keep him in. I 100% agree with that. Um, but I wanted to ask you something I noticed that is glaring to me, outside of the fact that the free throws are pretty, but that it is still 71%. The free throws are still an issue for this team, even in a win. But Ja didn't take any free throw attempts this game. That 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 looked right to you. I'm looking at that correctly. He did not. He no, did not he, get any he didn't free go throws. To the line and. In this game, it was, and he got slapped in the face. Yeah, there were some times where I felt like he could have got calls, but to me, he. Well, what's the best way to word this? I I don't I don't want to say that he was not as aggressive, but you look at the seventeen assist numbers, and it, it feels like. He went into this game with the mindset of, okay, I've got to get my teammates going. And so instead of taking over the game, we know that he's capable of going out there and getting 30. Instead of taking over this game and getting 30, I'm going to get my other guys involved. And so I I don't feel like he was attacking the rim as much as he typically does. And and also like the, the, the Raptors don't have a guy that is a big rim protector. Christian Coloco, the rookie, he, he's a guy that he's very sloth-footed. And so, you know, he's going to play drop, and he's going to be way back there. But he's not – like, he can block shots, but he's not a massive rim protector. And so, you know, when you're looking at any of these guys that are going to be playing on the back end, Chris Boucher may be the best shot blocker on the team, but they don't have anybody that's going to be back there that he's going to be just going straight at all the time. And so I think the just the matchup tends to favor what he done tonight as opposed to the normal get downhill, get 40 or whatever. Oh, no, I definitely I 100% agree with that. I, I do that. You know, he was intentional about coming out with the floater. He saw a little bit more of that in this game. Uh, but I also just saw some times where he did drive because he did still drive to the basket and he just didn't get the call. And then I guess what I'm sort of getting at it and it's something to watch for but it seems almost like not maybe that I'm I'm just saying I think it's more like the AI treatment uh, that's been happening lately. He's spoken out against the refs, and it seems like ever since he's done that, that he's gotten like bare minimum whistles, and that the other team has not. Now that might just be my perception, but it does seem to be consistent that I mean I even think other teammates sometimes get a better whistle than than Ja does, uh, but the other team you know the same type of contact it just hasn't seemed to be reciprocate, reciprocated, 
And I just can't help but think, especially on a play where in this game in particular, like I said, Ja gets blatantly like smacked in the mouth, like just purely smacked and no call. And then immediately like a bump on the other end and they get the whistle. So I don't know. It's something to monitor, um, but it, it is something I'm thinking about. Yeah, I mean, you go back, if you look at the the road games, <clears throat> so, so at Minnesota, November 30th, he had 11 attempts. At Detroit, he had eight. At OKC, he only had one. At Denver, he had 10. At Phoenix, he had six. At Golden State, he had seven. Now, if you go back, you look at the home games over that same stretch, he had eight, 10, eight, and 16. So maybe it's a road thing. You know, if you, I don't know if that's going to be consistent throughout the year. That's just kind of a little stretch that I had up there. And it may have been that that's, uh, you know, maybe the referee's just saying, Hey, you know, you got something to say, we're going to show you not getting a whistle. And then when they go back to calling them the way that they feel like they were, he's going to feel like he's actually getting the whistle. So it's I, I think some of it tonight, there were definitely some times that the time we got hit in the mouth and there were a couple other times where I felt like he got fouled and didn't get the whistle. Yeah. But overall, I just feel like he was not searching for contact as much tonight as what he t- typically does. Yeah, I do agree with that. Yeah, 100%. Um, like I said, it's just those few things. I agree with you. Those few times I think that's the stood out to me because I should have got a whistle. But I think that was a smart play. In fact, I really want to commend him for that because going to this game, you know, even even as I'm as even if I was kind of previewing the game in my head, I'm going, you know, Toronto has a lot of length. Those guys have some wingspan on them. And so I just didn't think it was going to be a game where Job was going to be able to get 30, 35 points just because they weren't going to let them. They just gonna clog the paint and they're long enough to where they can do that just as effective as a team like the Timberwolves has been able to do in the past. And so I'm like, you know, this is definitely a game where you got to get Jaron going, you got to get Bain going. And that's exactly what happened. But along with that, you saw him being intentional. I think his first shot attempt was a floater. Um, and that's kind of what you wanted to see from him. And he kind of continued that. I mean, he did drive the basket, but some of the times he just stepped back and, Hit a mid hit a mid range uh hit a mid range shot, which is I hope he continues to go into games with that game plan. Considering that matchup, it seemed to be an intentional thought, and and hopefully in other matchups he would do the same because sometimes he does force the issue, and I think that he would be best served doing exactly what he did tonight. Yeah, and that's I've been since year two. I've mentioned Chris Paul and his mid range. And that's, you know, I know that there are a lot of Grizzlies fans that have a severe disdain for Chris Paul. Not that I want Ja to have his type of uh, attitude and or mentality, but, you know, Chris Paul has made a living off of that, you know, 12 to 16 foot, you know, our 10 to 16 foot range. He gets in there and he, you know, it's, it's money every time. And for Ja, a lot of defenses give him that because they don't want to give him the rim. And so if he gets comfortable there where he's knocking that down consistently, you know, he could average 30 points a game and do it relatively easily. Yep. Yep. Agreed. And so, go, ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say just one other thing that stands out to me is I kind of look at this, uh, this box score is just Steven Adams. 
Steven Adams had a monster game pretty quietly. He had 17 rebounds and 14 points tonight and 17 rebounds. Just incredible. I mean, Steven Adams always hits the boards, but you know, he was just really locked in. And a lot of times you can't say that all of the, the starters had double digits because Steven Adams, you know, generally not being willing or not being, you know, he's he's not the guy that takes those kind of shots. Yeah, he, but, he doesn't have to score. He's not right. About he's not it. that guy. Exactly. But but for him to, to, to come out and get 14, 17 uh, monster game from him, he was the I, I really loved how they. Uh, took advantage of matchups, lobs. They got him a lot of lobs, easy looks at the baskets. Um, that's the kind of way you want to see him. And I saw that with Jaron as well. Um, getting into the paint, using using the guys who can match up best against this Toronto Raptors team instead of playing half-court basketball. It allowed, it allowed for them to even have a little bit of transition opportunities, even though we're still sometimes in the half-court. Like, they just throw that lob up and, you know, boom. Um, and so shout out, just shout out to him, uh, a great performance from him as well tonight. You know, Toronto is, is the best team in basketball at taking care of the basketball. One of the things that the Grizzlies try to do is force turnovers, get out and run. And they, they were not able to do that tonight, but they were able to win this game by being efficient, by, you know, moving the ball and doing the things that they needed to do. You know, you look at Toronto put up one more shot than uh, than the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies turned the ball over 15 times. The Raptors only turned it over eight. So efficiency, you know, moving the ball, getting the ball to the right person, getting taking the best shot that you can, That that's what won the game. When and, and that's growth for this team because you, you go back to last year, you look at what they've done, and it was a lot of force turnovers, get out and run, and take more shot attempts than your opponent. And they didn't do that tonight, but the shot attempts that they took, they were far more efficient 10% better from the field, 9% better from the three point line. We won't talk about free throws. <laughs> you know, that, that that's how you do it. You can't win every single game the same way. Some teams are going to be different. And I was I was wondering how this was going to look, you know, with them not being able to force this team because, you know, OG Ananobi handles the ball quite a bit for Toronto. He takes care of the ball. Scotty Barnes takes care of the ball very well. Pascal Siakam handles the ball a ton. He takes care of the ball. And so, you know, even Malachi Flynn off the bench, he played 30 minutes tonight. He played 30 minutes with no turnovers. So, they do a great job of that, and the Grizzlies were able to overcome. Even though they they turned the ball over more than Toronto, they were able to still be efficient on the offensive end and get this win. So that that's that's huge. Um, I, I like the shot attempts from Jaron. The fact you know we got 15 shot attempts, and only three of them are from three. And I'm not a oh he's a seven footer. He needs to be back to the basket. He can shoot the three. He can shoot the three very well. He's shooting it. Well, he's better this season. Last year, he was down at 32%. He's shooting the ball at 30, 35% from three so far this season. So he, he's knocking down a pretty good clip. But I, I like that we are seeing the evolution of his offensive game, that he is getting downhill more. He's using his size. He's being more physical to get those shots. And it's showing in his field goal percentage. If you look... Um, 2021, 2020 and 2021, 2021, 2022 season, his field goal percentage was 42% and 41%. And right now he's close to 50% on the season. 
And I think a lot of that is because he's taking more shots closer to the rim. That's true. And it seems like he's he's gotten stronger. I think his upper body's gotten stronger. So I think he's found out that he can take more shots. And I think part of it was always just, it was in his mind, but you can just tell he's got the confidence now where I'm big enough to go up and take this. And I think that his change in mindset um, is a big contributing factor as to, as to that. I think before, sometimes he could get, you know, you get bumped off the spot or, you know, he turned the ball over sometimes when he got, that happened a lot. <laughs> he get near the paint and he turned the ball over. He wouldn't exactly know what to do. Um, but you see that, you see him doing a much better job of that. And two, he had three assists tonight, which for him this year have come few and far between. Even when Jaron first came back on that stretch, you that monster game, he was averaging like point two assists. Like he, he was, it was, it was a it was a glaring like hole in his game, but I mean nobody's complaining about it because because you want him to be you know aggressive the shot taker, but you see him balancing that out a little bit too. Um, had a really great pass to Desmond Bain um, today that kind of stood out to me, but you just like to see him. You want to see him do that too because what it help him do come playoff time, and it's something I mentioned um, probably I think the last podcast, yes, the last episode we did. I, coaching of how to avoid those offensive fouls that sometimes him and Brandon get and being mm-hmm. able to pass out of the post is exactly what you want him to be able to do. So I'm happy to see that from him. Yeah. And some of the guys that are, you know, you look at Joel Embiid and Jaron is not that size, but I mentioned Embiid because Embiid can shoot the ball from outside. He can take guys off of the dribble he can play back to the basket, but he's also a very, very good passer. Steven Adams doesn't have the the ability to shoot the three, and he's not going to break guys down off of the dribble. He's a very good passer from the post. And you see these bigs that are really good passers from the post, and it opens up so much, so much on the offensive end where if you see teams dive in on him and you got a shooter in the corner and he can make that pass – through a tight window, you know, you got that split second where if you don't make it right now, it's getting disrupted. It's getting knocked out of bounds from the other team. If he adds that to his bag, it's just going to make him that much more dangerous. Yeah. And, and you want Jaron to feel like he's got multiple ways to contribute when his shot isn't going because this game is so mental for him. And I think we've watched Jaron enough to know that. And he gets frustrated when he doesn't feel like he's engaged in the game or he doesn't feel like he's able to contribute to the game. So if he can be get more consistent with that passing, um, that's just another way for him to be involved, even if his shot isn't falling. Yeah. And, and so, so hopefully we see more of that. Uh, three, he also had a three offensive rebounds. So outside of Steven Adams, he led the team in offensive rebounds. You'd love to see that more from him too. Um, because hopefully that will lead to more putback opportunities and things like that for him. Um, I thought before that he was more defensive rebound. You really rarely saw an offensive rebound from him, if I'm not mistaken. That at least that's a common critique of his game. Um, so it was good to see from him too. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of that the offensive rebounding for him, with him playing so much with Stephen Adams, you know he. Yeah they're not going to operate in the same spot. You know, Adams is going to be down there and he's a vacuum. Like he's a black hole. If it's anywhere around the rim, he's going to be in there and be disruptive and getting in. So it's almost impossible to have two guys on your team that are pulling down five, six, seven, eight offensive rebounds a game. So that's, (laughs) ah, I almost made it through the entire show without coughing into the mic. (laughs) 
I was so close. Dang it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's cool, man. Uh, I, I don't have much else on tonight's game. The Get some 21. Uh, 21 and 13 is the Grizzlies record right now. I didn't pull up the standings here. I think that's still going to be third in the West. It is third in the West. They are one game behind Denver and the Pelicans, which is nice because they play the Pelicans on Saturday night yep. at home. So we won't do a post game on that one. Uh, they play the Pelicans Saturday and then the Kings on Sunday. So we will do kind of a uh, a double post game on those more than likely Monday night because you're going to have an off off day, a couple off days there. So we'll let the, the New Year's Eve game and the New Year's Day game play out, and then we'll plug in a post game after those two. And let me look at the schedule here. I've got a date. Not that I have a date, not that somebody's going out with me, but I have a, Isaac is going to uh, return pretty soon. And it looks like, let me click the right button here. Man, so this is our last podcast of the year? It is, yeah. Our, ra- wrapping up I'm 2022. So yeah, that's going quick. Yeah, I'm just glad it's a um, win. You know, positive vibes. You know, you never want to end the year on negative, so... Happy to do that. Thank you, Grizz, for giving us that gift. Man, I don't know why my schedule is not pulling up, and I have no idea why. My computer is acting crazy. It keeps pulling up. Like, it's pulling up the games that they played instead of the actual schedule. So, January 4th at Charlotte, they go back-to-back. They play at Charlotte and at Orlando. Um, Isaac is looking at a return, so we should be back to full strength. The show, we've had a, a long injury list going on here for a little bit. Yeah. We should be back to, to full strength. Either the fourth or the fifth, we'll have all three of us, hopefully. I don't know what Candace has going on. I'm just assuming that she's going to be able to be here. But uh, we were able to get everything lined out, and we're going to be back to full strength soon. So I'm looking forward to that. It's always yeah. fun. Even just me and Candace doing a solo show is tough. Yes. So I appreciate all the hard work and effort that you put into that. But we'll go ahead and, and wrap this one up unless you got something else before we get out of here. Yeah, no, no. Just happy to get get the crew back. Um, su- super happy. The Grizz are getting healthy and so are we. So we're just in congruency here. We are a reflection of this Grizzlies team. Um, so good vibes all around. Um, great win. Um, I guess, David, tell us where they can find you and then I'll take us out. Yeah, so you can get uh, – I'm going to go Isaac first. He is at Isaac underscore underscore NBA. The show is at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at NBA Dwill 2-1. Keep an eye out. I think I'm going to do something uh, New Year's New Year's Eve. I'm going to do a giveaway on Twitter. Nice. And uh, so keep an eye out at Ethos Grizzlies. We will post all the information there. I, I think, uh, Candace, I'm going to let you pick the player. We're going to give away a Grizzlies jersey. And I'm gonna let you pick the. Actually, this this is what we'll do. Last time I gave away a John Morant jersey. This time I will give away a Grizzlies jersey player of your choice. Nice. That, that, that's what we're gonna do. So I will um, New Year's Eve. I will tweet out ways to enter, and then we will announce the winner heading into the new year. The next game is Saturday at home against the Pelican New Year's Eve game, and then they play. New Year's Day against the Kings. I think, Candace, uh, you're, you're going to be at both of those games, yes. aren't you? I will be at Bri- both. 
bringing in the new year the right way. So thanks for tuning in. Candace is going to let you know where you can find her and we are going to wrap it up. All right. Yep. You can find me at Candace H901. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening in. Um, you listen on iTunes. Make sure to leave us a review. We appreciate that. Um, thanks again. We hope everybody has a happy and a safe New Year. We'll be coming back at you the New Year, hopefully with a full crew. Um, in the meantime, be on the lookout for that giveaway. This is some exciting stuff. So again, we thank you guys. That's all we got. Go Braves. We gone. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.